You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. We're joined today. I'm so thrilled about this because I feel like we are just the closest of friends based on all of our in-person interactions so far. <laughs> I love the internet. Uh, the host of the Smart Passive Income podcast and author of the new book, Will It Fly? How to Test Your Next Business Idea. So you don't waste your time and money, Pat Flynn. What is up? What up? Thank you for uh, thanks so thank you so much for having. I'm like nervous. I can't even say. Don't anything. be nervous because oh my gosh, let, let's just tell a really important story about our friendship about and bowling. Bowling, right? <laughs> so much deeper than that. But it's so, true. Like every time we get together, like we don't see each other very often, but when we do, it's like bam, we're best friends. It's like we do the most epic of things, and bowling wasn't even like the main event of the evening. Karaoke was, Karaoke, but yes, but bowling ended up being epic because we stupidly decided to get on Meerkat, and I think it just so happened to be the night that Meerkat got on Shaquille O'Neal's radar and somehow he ended up watching us that bowling. That so funny. Oh gosh. What are the chances? And I remember you looking at me and you were like, you spelled my name wrong in the title of the Meerkat. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was so horrible. I was like, oh man, like I hey, totally spelled that. Well, how did you know Shaquille O'Neal was going to get on? I always tell people, you know, that's my experience with Meerkat. I feel like it was epic enough that I didn't have to do it ever again. Yeah, totally. Like, why would you do anything else? Because that was the highlight of our lives. It was. Not to mention I was bowling with the Pat Flynn. So that was pretty special. That was too. Fun. And Karaoke's friend, you're a great singer. We've got to do that again sometime. Oh my gosh. There's so many, so like many tangents right we could go on. So good. Are you speaking again at Social Media Marketing World? I am. Awesome. Okay. Well, then I'll run into you there and we'll probably accidentally go karaoke and bowling once again. Totally. Totally accidentally. All right, cool. Just a little bit of foreshadowing there. I wanted to bring you on today because I'm I'm so thrilled for you that you are putting out this book. I think that this has been an incredible adventure and baby that you've given birth to. I know Gosh. that this has been quite the process for you. But what's really special about it for me is that I'm also writing my first book at the time we're recording this. And when you asked me, um, hey, like, do you think your audience would be interested in this? And I was like, oh my God gosh, all day because your video, one of your first, I think it is your first episode of SPI TV is how to use post-it notes to start writing your book. Mm -hmm. And I have been using that process. And I was like, this is so special to me because that really helped me get started. And I think that's what so many people struggle with, especially with writing something like a book, which is crazy, a big task um, to break it down into post-it notes was just brilliant. So thank you for that video. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that, that video is a culmination of a bunch of strategies I've learned from a bunch of different people. So I can't take full credit for it, but I, I love post-it notes and not just because they're colorful and they stick and all that stuff and you can move them around, but because they're, they're small. And so you're kind of forced to just put that one idea on it. And then when you put a bunch of post-it notes and a bunch of ideas all on your table or on your wall or whiteboard, you can start to move them around and start to see patterns. And the book, the book starts to kind of just form itself from there. And, and then you can pull one post-it note out, just put that in front of your computer and focus on that one thing. So you finish that section, then you pull the next one off. It's it's such a really cool tool to use. Mm -hmm. and, and I use it not just for book writing, but for podcast episodes, for blogging, and especially my presentations too. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
I just think it's so cool because it's not just a great resource, which I do want to talk about your YouTube channel just a little bit because you obviously know I'm partial to that. But that being such a great resource, but it's also sort of an invitation to, hey, um, I'm writing my first book and that's part of your journey. And people kind of feel like they get to be a part of that by also getting the information of how you are actually executing Mm -hmm. the book. Right. I mean, that's what I always do. I I'm the crash test dummy. And so I experiment, I put myself out there and I just go full force and see what happens. And I talk about it along the way. This is what worked. This is what didn't and all that sort of stuff. It's always a fun lesson for people watching along. And with this book, especially, I mean, people have known for how long this I've been working on this and what a struggle it's been. I'm not afraid to share on Twitter, like, man, spent three hours writing today and I have a new mm-hmm. paragraph. That's it. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think it makes it more real. And that's what I love about you too. I mean, you just put yourself out there and you're you and people follow you because of that. And I think that's why people follow me too. And it, it, we get to teach people along the way. So how incredible is that? No, it's, it's great. I think, um, in the same way that I, you know, try to make it really fun to learn about, you know, marketing as a small business on my YouTube channel, you absolutely crush that when it comes to learning about, you know, passive income strategies on the podcast. So it's, it's fun that that's our job. And when it comes down to it, it really has to do with embracing our personality and sharing it with the world. So just a lot there. I guess I'm going to stay on the YouTube channel for a second since I already brought it up because it's sort of the same question that I get like, Oh, I I literally just tweeted out like, Hey, I'm getting ready to interview Pat Flynn. You want to know anything? And somebody wrote back, you have a podcast. (laughs) And so this is the question I get, right? Cause I make videos and people are like, Oh, you have a podcast too. And I would think that you might get a little bit similar feedback. Like, Oh, you are amazing at podcasting. You have a YouTube channel too. So what was the uh, original sort of reasoning for you saying like, Hey, I think we need to invest in this YouTube thing because you obviously, um, have great camera work with Caleb helping you with the channel and mm-hmm. you've had me on, which is really cool. But why are you exerting energy in that space? Well, my YouTube journey has been really interesting. I don't even, I don't even know if you know the full story, but I started out as a blogger and that was because I was definitely afraid of putting myself out there. And I thought, the only way to do it without putting myself totally out there is to kind of hide behind this little blog and text and, mm-hmm. you know, I can edit and not worry about it too much. But then my traffic started to uh, plateau. I started to reach only the same people. And I knew that this was again, back in 2009, I knew that YouTube was, was huge and was not going anywhere. So I decided okay. to, to contemplate the idea of getting on YouTube. And then again, those feelings came like, oh my gosh, I don't want to put myself on there. What are people going to say? So I kind of took a happy medium approach and started doing screencasts. So I would take video recordings of stuff that I was doing, but not put myself on camera and then just kind of get a little bit comfortable. And then eventually I started to get more and more comfortable. My face started appearing every once in a while. And then I started to do more, uh, just, you know, headshot, like head, head, um, episodes where it's just me talking head and mm-hmm. I got more comfortable with it. And then in 2010, I came out with the podcast for the same reason. I felt like I was just same reaching out with the same people. Um, and then the podcast exploded too, but in 2012 or 13, I went full force with the podcast and kind of left YouTube behind. Right. And I was so mad at myself this past year because I looked at everything that was happening with YouTube in the past because I had, con- you know, I've seen you on it and I've seen a bunch of other people explode on it too. And the podcast I've just set up in an automated way with my team and stuff. So I had some more time to figure out what else I could do. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I was like, okay, guys, I got 40,000 subscribers on YouTube. I, I know I collected them like four or five years ago, but we're going <laughs> to put up some videos. We're going to just reignite where we left off. And then I put a video up. It was like, I spent a lot of time on it. I even got Caleb, my videographer involved because I knew I wanted to go full force. Right. And there was like a thousand views. 
And I was like, what happened to all the subscribers? I, I like basically just let them all down basically by not right, yeah. being consistent. And so I kind of had to restart everything. And then that's when SPI TV came about me and Caleb sat down and we we're like, okay, well, we got to be consistent. That's the number one rule. We've learned our lesson there, but let's, let's make it a show and let's, let's make it high quality. Let's put these videos together. And that's where the first video came from, which is well, what, what are you, what are you doing right now? What can you share? That's useful. Well, this post-it note book writing thing. And uh, yeah. th th then that started to take off and started to reignite some of the older subscribers. But I I've started to collect a lot more new subscribers too. And, you know, it's just been great. I, I love podcasting, but there's something about video and being able to be a little bit more creative with it. And it's fun and it's exciting. You get to see everybody and you get to just create stories in a way that, you know, a podcast, although it's great and I love it and it'll always be my number one, you know, the, 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 the I just love video. I'm, I'm falling yeah. in love with it even more now. Well, and like podcasting totally goes hand in hand with your brand because it's very passive, right? Like you can tune into this content and, and quote unquote, be multitasking. I mean, when, when are you really multitasking? When you have someone in your ear, that's quite impactful, especially for long periods of time. Yeah. But of course, that's going to be your number one. I do want to touch on something that you said that I think is so important because I actually get the question a lot. Uh, can I start making video, but do screencast only? And I I fully understand where these questions of barrier to entry are coming from mm -hmm. because it's usually something along the lines of an insecurity level of like, so I'm not was. really sure I want to be on camera. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that about you. I know that you're very open about things that are in your comfort zone and not, but I think it's very important that people really hear that because you, I know people on YouTube that have millions of subscribers today and they started out with a fake name and hands only tech review. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, this is, this is a thing. And, um, especially back in those days, we were really not sure about YouTube and the internet in general about mm -hmm. how safe and how awesome it could have been. Um, and now we do see that. So I hope it's not regret as much as it is just really, um, attacking with a plan. And I love to hear that you guys sat down and really came up with a strategy because Consistency is key. And um, it's also important to note that subscribers don't mean everything. They mean something, but they mm -hmm. don't mean everything. And I have upwards of almost 40,000 at this point, And my views don't say 40,000 on every single video. And that's because the subscription box on YouTube has changed quite a bit. And just how you get content on that platform changes. So it makes sense to me that when you came back, it wasn't necessarily exactly what you dreamed. Yeah, and was, I mean, it was for. a huge letdown though, because I was like, oh, I spent all this time. And before it was all about the subscribers. And mm -hmm. you know, now you're right. It has absolutely changed. But I, I, Love the fact that you mentioned we sat down and we planned it out because that's exactly what we did. We had, we had a whole day to plan out the whole, I guess, season of SPI TV and just made it seem more real and it made me want to put more into it. And also yeah. it let us realize, okay, we got all this content now. Okay, well, let's plan our shoots. And so we started to batch process our shoots. And so we were like, okay, well, how much time do we really have? Well, we only have a couple days out of each month to shoot. Okay, let's batch process all that and mm -hmm. move things around. And then we, had, we got to a point where now we, Caleb and I, we meet once a month and we create, you know, all the episodes for the, for the, for two months out after that. And so we're ahead yeah. of schedule. We're batch processing. We're being productive. We're super and highly focused, not getting distracted during those days because we've scheduled that that's what's happening for the content that we planned out earlier in the year. And it's just such a beautiful kind of machine now.
Yeah. It's funny. I, I think I said that you guys sat down and planned it out. Cause I know you, and I know that that's what happened. And I could just picture that it happened. And I love that you said batching because that is something that people don't understand is how do you make three videos a week? Well, let me tell you, I batch everything. You have to plan. Everything goes on the calendar and I time block mm-hmm. on my calendar. That's how the execution gets done. So it sounds like you obviously have a process for that for YouTube, but definitely for the podcast, since you have a team that's assisting, there have to be those systems in place and the systems are really what keep the machine going. So really, I just, I love talking to you about this because I don't know how often you talk about your YouTube presence as much as you talk about the podcast. So happy right now. (laughs) It's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And I'm really like racking my brain. Like, what can I do on the YouTube channel with Pat? Like I want to do some savvy, sexy social stuff with Pat. I really appreciate you being in my 500th video, but I think we can do something really cool. Totally. So we're going to have to think about that. But before I have to let you go, because I know that time's of the essence and you are just spreading the word like crazy right now because you just wrote your first book. (sighs) So talk to me about Will It Fly? And um, I have a feeling I have an understanding of where the title came from and what your favorite movie is and stuff like that. But can you talk about (laughs) the book? And who is this book for? I mean, this book is for people who are interested in starting a business. They have an idea or multiple ideas in their head and they... They're thinking to themselves, oh, it'd be great to do something, but how do I know that this is actually going to work? It is either those people or people who have a business already, but they're stuck and they're kind of like, well, I need to find something new to kind of get out of this this plateau that I've been in and I don't know what to do and I want to make sure what I do is right. And this this all came about for a couple of reasons. One, I have a show called Ask Pat, which is a podcast, comes out five days a week. I answer a voicemail question from my audience and I get, I get dozens of questions daily now. And the number one question by far was like, how do I know if this thing is going to work out? Because we don't have a lot of time these days. We are doing a ton of stuff. All of us are. And so the time we do spend on our side gig or our new business or our project, we want to make sure that time is well spent. And you know, we've heard stories of people putting their life fortunes and a ton of time into something only to have nobody be interested in it, uh, which totally sucks and is deflating. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and so the product to market fit is important. Like how good is your idea in the market that you're getting into? And that's, you know, this isn't actually anything new or revolutionary because Tim Ferriss talked about it back in 2007. He called it micro testing where he actually would set up like a little page where he would pretend to sell something and have a buy now button. And he would track how many people click on that buy now button to gauge interest, which was really cool and revolutionary, but that's kind of all he talked about. But now so many other tools and methods have, have come about to do this, that people are, are getting paid thousands of dollars up front now for their ideas, even before they build out those ideas. It's kind of like real confirmation, not just somebody saying, Oh yeah, I totally buy that. It's like, yeah, I buy oh, that. Yeah. I would totally buy it. Take my money now so I can reserve the first spot. It's like, yes. Exactly. Too many people think that you can just send a survey out to whoever, your audience, your email list, or just any people in general and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Would you buy it? And especially if it's close knit friends, you know, it's like, they're going to say, Oh sure. Love your ideas. Always. They have to pay with the pocketbook period. Totally. Totally. Like I know a few people who have started Kickstarter campaigns and Kickstarter is a great validation tool because you can see, you know, how interested people are about your thing before, before uh, they get it and they have to pay for it, of course. But then I've seen some people who have gone in there, spread the word to their family and friends. And of course their family and friends want to help out. But then when they actually turn that product into something real and sell it on the market, nobody wants it anymore. So, you know, a lot of this book involves market research and talking to people and really discovering what else is out there already. I love 
creating, or I love helping people create what I like to call the market map. So before you even get into the space, you look at the different uh, places that all those people are located, your target audience, you find all the people, the influencers in that space, and then you find out all the products that they're paying for already. And once you kind of get this map, it's really cool because a lot of people who start businesses now, they feel like they're behind, right? Like, oh, somebody else has done that or that market's already, you know, um, tapped out or whatever. But no, you actually have an advantage because you get this bird's eye perspective when you create this market map. You see everything that's out there and you can see what's working and what's not. You can read all the reviews on Amazon and, you know, look at the three-star reviews because those are the pros and the cons of the honest people. And you can incorporate the pros and not incorporate the cons. And you get this really cool advantage that people that are even in the space right now serving that audience can't even see because they're so deep into it. So you do have an advantage and you can find your position and figure out a way to stand out from there. And um, again, there's just there's just a very specific process to this validation piece where traditionally, you know, people create create businesses and they, uh, they they work on something, they build it and they stand off the rooftops and say like, buy my thing. And then like mm-hmm. nobody buys it and they, they're wondering why. And they might think, well, nobody wants this, but it might not actually be that. It might be how you said it or right. everything leading up to it. So this process of validation in the book breaks it down into different iterations. It's like, okay, you do the first thing. And if that checks out, good, you move on. You do the next thing. If that checks out, good, you move on. If not, well then well, you know, the first part was good. Something happened in this step two. Let's fix it. Let's figure it out. Let's see what, it's, what it is. And then it kind of pulls you forward to a point where then by the end of the book, my goal is to either have people decide, yes, this is my idea. Like get totally motivated. I've coached a lot of people. I know you have too. And a lot of times people just need permission. Like, yeah. go, yeah, that's great. Go. Like, really? That's it. Yeah, do it. And so <laughs> this book will be that guide that gives them permission or they go through the book and even in the beginning they might realize there might be some red flags based off off of some litmus tests that, that, that I have them take they're like holy crap this idea is actually not one that's going to work not just for the market but also for themselves there's actually the, the most important part of the book is the first part even before t- looking at the market it's like okay this idea like does it fit into your life does it does it complement your strengths does this actually make sense for you or are you just chasing low hanging fruit and then 2 years later you're going to regret it like all those things come into play too so the other part of it i want people to read this and be like holy crap my idea sucks like yeah. let's, let's start <laughs> over and finding out that now as opposed to 3 years down the road oh, absolutely is so important and I feel I, I, there's something about this and this is this is really going back to the beginning part of this process where if we're talking about who listens to smart passive income or who's watching your YouTube channel and maybe they're just thinking I think there's an opportunity for me out there to start my own business. And they, they look at this book as an opportunity to start diving into that research and doing it in a responsible way. You know, maybe they are at the nine to five and they want to start their own gig. This is a great way to attack that. Do you also think though, that this book is a good way of educating somebody that smart passive income or whatever your uh, income strategy ends up being, it may or may not be considered a passive stream, but is it hard work? And are you prepared to do the hard work? Because think about the fact that you have to do all of this research to start, and then you actually have to go and attack this business and just work your little hands off on the success of this business when you do start it. I just wonder if there are people that you come in contact with that are like, well, that sounds really hard to which you say, what? You know, it's like, yeah, business is hard. <laughs> yeah. To which I say, I'm glad you're realizing this because it is, yeah. you know, this is like, you got to hustle in the beginning. And you know, some people continue to hustle all the way through like Gary V who just hustles 18 hours a day. And yeah. that, that's in his DNA for me. 
I hustled like crap in the beginning. And now I'm starting to get smarter about the systems and starting to sit back a little bit. But now I keep hustling even more on these side projects like this book and stuff. So, you know, putting in the effort and the work now to reap those benefits later. That's what it's all about. But yeah, I mean, if 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 you read through this book and these basic exercises that, that you should be doing, if, if they're too much for you, honestly, you're probably not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And it's just, right. you got to get over that reality. And then the cool thing about that, oh, that, that, oh, I don't know why I'm saying it like that. That's okay. The, <laughs> the cool thing about that, though, is like, well, then you realize it and you know, and then yeah. you don't have to like, you don't have to fight something that isn't you. There are some right. great employees out there like that kick butt who are just so good at doing things for other people. Like some of my assistants, they, they would never, ever consider themselves as entrepreneurs, but they are the most amazing people at what they do. And again, this book helps you feel like the first part, which is called mission design helps you figure out like what, w- what it is that h- how this fits into your life plan. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people who have already read the first parts of this book, who, who it's been a real game changer for them before they even think about that initial idea. It's because it's, it's very much inward looking too in the beginning. It is. It, I just, at this point, you know, 2015, 2016, I'm just worried about the word entrepreneur and what, how people are using it. Yeah. I'm just worried, you know, because it's so much work and it's not a word that always means what people are using it for. And it also doesn't mean, um, you're making a lot of money or you're making easy money (laughs) or making any money. Absolutely. I have a blog. I'm an entrepreneur. Like people are saying that now. And you're starting to get there, yes, but you're not quite yet. When I know certain people who have specific definitions, like Chris Ducker has a specific de- definition where it's mm-hmm. you know a certain moment in time in your life, then you can call yourself an entrepreneur. But until then, you're just kind of a solopreneur or a wannapreneur or whatever. Exactly, exactly. I don't even really call myself an entrepreneur because I I just think I have come into contact and, ta- and, and researched and seen so many digital mentors that actually are entrepreneurs um, in what I see them as. And mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, you know, I have a company and I'm a solopreneur, which is, I, I love that word because that feels like it fits me and it fits a lot of social authority people. So oh, um, it, yeah, that I just, I wanted to touch on that because I think it's a very important beginning step that right now working for yourself is very sexy. And, um, but it's once you actually do it, you find out how unsexy it actually yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, enjoy the process. <laughs> Failure is a part of the process. Struggling, like be happy that you get to do that. Right. You know, right. Um, that like that, that you have these opportunities and if you struggle and you fail, like good, because this is, you're in it and other people don't even have this opportunity or are too blind to even take it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I don't want to take up too much more time, but I do want to make one mention that, um, sometimes I forget the first time we met was very, very special because you were visiting Columbus, which is where I live. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that's special is because that doesn't happen to me very often. Uh, (laughs) people, people come to visit Columbus, but I don't always get to see them. And, um, I really had the great opportunity of meeting you and your team. And I do want to give a great shout out to your executive producer of the book, Matthew Gartland from winning at it's, and, um, that their work on this book, I'm sure was, uh, very important to oh, you. And crucial. I just love to shout out a Columbus company. So, and thank you for including me on that Epic podcast of your trip to Columbus. That was super oh, thank fun. You. Hey, that won me an award actually at the podcast movement, really? um, because that was the episode I submitted. And so thank you. Oh, uh, I won best good. business podcast. Cause I, I submitted that one, but yeah, I mean, that was awesome to meet you and you gave me some incredible advice. Uh, moving forward into SPI, into what SPI TV became. So 
you know, well, you, you've played a role in it and, you know, hopefully I've been able to pay you back through that content and post-it notes and other things. I think our friendship is pretty mutually beneficial. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> You are amazing. Pat Flynn, thank you so much for being here with me today. I want everybody to get their hands on one or many multiples of copies of Will It Fly, which is on sale uh, next week. So yeah. just in a couple of days, if you're watching this in real time. So uh, go get it. And thanks for being here, Pat. Crazy. Thank you. Willitflybook.com. Thanks, everybody. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to brandboostcast.com forward slash subscribe.